They've got skins that you can unlock that actually are animated. So like your car will have like moving, like a moving paint job. Mm -hmm. They have like all kinds of goofy ass wheels. Like I saw one of the wheels. I think one of the wheels that they have come in this season is like, it's like rock wheels, like a Flintstone car. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 324 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm standing in a power pose. I'm Sam, and I'm the artiste. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is August 12th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. Before we get started, there's going to be profanity in this show. Uh, so no, that's coming. And we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We grabbed their money and we liked it. So good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm, I, this is one of the first times ever that I've gotten through the opening intro. Without being interrupted. Broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like. This, are, are you off your game a, now? Is it? Is it yeah, now? I'm not quite sure what to do next. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> what do we, what do, we do? <laughs> that makes sense. I have a quick question before we get into whatever the next thing is, which is mm-hmm. we all mm-hmm. stand at desk now. So do you guys stand to podcast or sit to podcast and why? I have once or twice. The problem is that if during a podcast you want to sit down because it's a whole hour, then now mm-hmm. you got to hit the button on your little robot desk and then it's like, wee until it's done, you know? And so <laughs> yeah. I can't really, you got to commit and I'm like, I'm not here for that. You know, maybe my yeah. legs get tired. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I, I sit because if I stand while talking, then I walk around and yeah, I get away from the pace. mic. Yeah. Yeah. It requires adding uh, ADHD discipline, you know, to. Mm-hmm. That's to why I walk my mic to my face, you know? Yeah. That's the technique. Oh. Guys. Yeah. So Sam could just yeah. walk around. I would do that, but I, my mic is like two pounds and it would probably. You could get a, you could get a different one and strap that. <laughs> yeah, maybe no, I, don't, I don't think that's an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Now let's talk about. Uh, life. Sam, you ran. Let's hear about running. So here's, okay, here's the thing. Yeah, what's up? Uh, I haven't run actual long distances since I think I was 14 when I did cross country for about a month and a half before quitting. Is is long distance a mile plus or what is? I consider it basically, yeah, it's like if you're going more than a mile, then you're going the distance at that point. Yeah, Um, not going for speed. And then of course- People stretch it all the way out to dozens of miles, but that's not where I'm at yet. So uh, I decided, because of course, you know, with all the pandemic stuff, still kind of going on, whatever else, uh, as much as I wanted to get back in the gym. I was like, you know what? It'd be easier. Just don't want to don't want to get back. Yeah, in I really want to 100% want to get back in there. So I'll just, uh, for the next little bit here, I wanted something to focus on. So I was like, I'm going to try actually running like a 10K or something like that. So I've done some 5Ks before. Um, but again, that's like practicing by just running a mile and then showing up on race day and running three instead, right? So um, for, for this yeah, one, sure. Yeah. well, I mean, it's like, it's roughly, <laughs> it's roughly how, how all the training works for these things too, is usually you actually uh-huh. don't hit the full like race length necessarily. Um, so anyways, I uh, started started doing these runs and started stretching out just how far I was going. And uh, last week ran my first time over like at five miles um, in one stretch. I think ever, I don't think I've ever run that far ever in my life. And of course, with that sort of like new stress on the bod, uh, mm-hmm. comes some some new weird stuff you got to figure out. So, some new adventures, new experiences. New adventures. So here's what happened. And this is where things get complicated because basically, also there's like an insane motorcyclist outside. Just yeah, what's going on? about that. I don't know what that was. Someone just flying around. Um, uh-huh. but yeah. So basically, I I finished this five mile run. And I'm like, wow, that was incredible. Now, the whole last like half mile, my guts were just kind of uh, hurting, you know? But I figured that's what happens when you run further than you ever run in your life. I'm just going to deal with it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So, But I got a case of what's called runner's gut, which is essentially when your organs are jostled around so much, uh, and depending on what you've eaten before, it's like it, basically your body being a little machine, uh, you sort of, you had somehow janked it up before going on your run, and then it gets all jumbled up. And your guts basically just yeah. feel real gross. You um, jostled it. You jostle it. And it leads to like, you just got to shit, like just constantly. You know, it's just like a horrible fucking thing. Like your guts are just all twisted up. And I figured this would last for like maybe an hour. Uh, cut to, you know, six hours later, I'm trying to sleep. And now I got mm-hmm. that, you know, that thing that happens when you sleep and you have those dreams that you might be like about to vacate your bowel. You uh-huh. know what I mean? 
And so there's that anxiety, that like, oh, like that sort of thing. So that my whole night was after the accomplishing this sort of achievement was that level of anxiety of being like, so am I going to fall shit, asleep you just or had shit? Like, you had shit dreams all yes. night. <laughs> and, then, and then the, the, the sort of kicker on it was that the next uh-huh. day, finally, by about 10 a.m., feeling fine. I'm like, okay, this is good. Good to go. But then for the next three or four days, I had a very hard time sleeping because I basically like quietly traumatized myself. So when I was trying to mm-hmm. sleep then, I had like this ramping anxiety level, even out of, you know, absent of any of the actual physical symptoms that like maybe, you know, I was going to just end up shitting all over the place. And so it was one of those, like, it was so good to hit that five mile run thing and be like, yeah. And then uh, dealing with the consequences for like four days afterwards was definitely one of those pieces where, you know, you hear some people say like, oh, you know, I tried to get into exercise, just like into it. And I'm like, I get it. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes you the consequences into are it. steep. Yeah. Yep. Every, I mean, every is, time I've taken, I've used a step function, you know, doing some exercise thing where it's just yep. like, just like, Pop, I feel feeling great. I thought I like nailed something, so I'm just like, I'm gonna just double this or whatever, you know. Uh, it's always, it's always then killed me, and then kicked me, and then and then I would be unable to exercise for like two weeks while I recover, and uh, and now like now the whole whatever system I developed is just derailed, now, crumbled you know? to so dust. Like, so yeah, so not so so going after it aggressively because like like we talked about in the past, exercising, dieting, learning, uh, just literally everything. The best way to approach all of it is very slow, incremental improvements. That's just all. And then do that for 60 years, right? That's that's the way. Boring. It's very boring. But yeah. that's the way you do it, and you have to find other ways success to make it interesting, boring. right? Yeah, success is boring. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, the last time I did something like this, it was when I, I think it was last summer, and I had started running when the spring came, and uh, mm. and I was running outside, you know, and like running around the park. Like, that park's basically like a mile around, so it's a kind of a nice, you know, Met, metric to gauge stuff. And uh, I'd been running like every other day for a few weeks. It started to feel good. Like my lungs stopped feeling like shit, you know, like all that good mm-hmm. stuff. And, uh, and then, but I'd only been running a, a mile at a time. And then, and I felt so good after the last one that instead of now waiting a couple of days, I went mm-hmm. from that evening before to the, to the next morning. I got up and I was like, yeah, I could go do this again. You know, like I was like, Ooh. now I was in it, you know? So I went and did it. And then if it was fine the whole time, but I came back and, uh, and like an hour later, I suddenly just like couldn't walk without enormous pain because of basically what's that uh, like fasciitis oh, thing you get plantar plantar fasciitis yeah that yeah. thing you know like the basically it's like it's like when the the stuff in between your heel and your the connective like tissues the of the part, foot right? yeah basically it's like the connective tissue yeah but it's like kind of in the arch you know mm-hmm. yeah she just fucking I hurt got, and so I that. yeah, yeah. And so so I couldn't. I, I literally couldn't run it. I could actually, and like walking was really, really unpleasant for like three <laughs> weeks, you know, while yeah. I recovered from it. And, uh, and it was because like things had been going so well that I was just like, yeah, I'll just, just push like, it. I feel fine. Yeah, I'll just push it this time, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. and then that was, that was the most successful stretch of running I'd ever had. Damn. That ended there. And then by the time I finally like recovered, then I was like nervous about going out and running because I didn't want that to happen again. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. Because I read about it, and apparently, once it happens, then even even if you feel recovered, it still can take a while before it just like comes right back. If you you know stress it, it goes back to that whole slow is smooth, smooth is fast rule, right? Because yep. like if you had just chilled out, you probably would have kept going. Just like I might be running today, right now, maybe still running. But what that yeah. kind of means, though, is like if you get really pumped about something and really want to go for it, you shouldn't. Which is like, mm-hmm. come on, you know. It's it's the reason why whenever somebody sees someone who's like really in shape and clearly doing great, they're always like, oh, what's your secret? Because people want there to be like a really cool, impactful, big thing. Yep. You know, because it's like, mm-hmm. it feels like you should be able to just do something big. You know, you see somebody lose yep. 50 pounds, you're like, how'd you lose 50 pounds? And they're like, slowly and boringly over two years. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real slowly. Yep. And there were ups and downs, right? No good. It's boring. Yeah. Like, yeah, if we take like, you get like how these really huge guys, like The Rock, right? Uh, like, you know how he stays huge is something like a third of his waking life is spent eating and exercising. Eating. Right, that's yeah. Literally every day he's in, for hours. He's in the gym for several hours a day, and he's eating six meals a day of like fifteen hundred calories a meal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. he, it's a grind. Yeah. Like he just has to keep doing that. It's forever. literally his job to look the way he does, right? And it is mm-hmm. a job. That's that's how it works. So, 
uh, you know, it's boring shit. Mm-hmm. It is not. It's not exciting. <laughs> so, anyways, you know, it's. Well, I hope I hope your next running session doesn't. Oh yeah, I had one on Monday. It was all good. So we're, had no problems. Went six miles. So deal with it. You know what I'm saying? It's fine. You just had to get that first one out of the way. And that's maybe the other secret too. Is like when something goes horribly wrong like that. You know, once you're recovered, get oh, back yeah. you in gotta there. Commit to getting you know? back on it. Otherwise, it's all yeah. gone again. You know? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Tr- it is a little tricky because, like, because guts also like once once your guts get a little confused, they mm-hmm. it takes they can take some time to really it like to- get it back together. Um, and like mine after when I had my my surgery, which wasn't even it. I mean, it was it was part of it because my the, the whole tube is your guts, really, you know. But mm-hmm. but it was in the upper part of the tube in my esophagus and stomach. Uh, but it took me literally a whole year, year and a half, for my guts to kind of like truly settled down where I didn't feel like I needed to be within reach of a bathroom basically at all times, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even still today, uh, every once in a while, and by every once in a while, I mean like probably weekly, all of a sudden they're just like, Hey, I don't know what's happening. And then just, <laughs> maybe the time you wrapped us then, around ourselves. Yeah. Like, they just, and like, they just get, every once in a while, they just get pissed and they just, mm-hmm. you know, they, and they throw a tantrum. And so even today, like, I'm pretty sure like I, I think you could probably call it IBS, which is what irritable bowel syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like probably at this point, you could just call it that. And it was basically induced by a surgery I had, I think now four years ago, three, mm-hmm. whatever it was, like a long what time ago. What about like angry bowel syndrome where like they're not generally irritable, but sometimes they just get real mad. Well, like, well that's exactly it is, is they're irritable. <laughs> they're irritable the whole time, right? And so every once in a while they get mad. And then ah, just like irritable, but yeah. not irritated necessarily. Yeah. Just like any other mad. asshole, yeah. when they get mad, they throw shit mm-hmm. everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm, nice. That's, good. That's, That's nice. deep. That's deep, Adam. very deep. But don't, we, isn't it, don't we have like 20 feet of intestines or something? There's a bunch, there's a like bunch in there. Yeah. It's packed all That's up too in. much. Maybe that's the problem. Somebody should look into that. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Other life stuff. A new Rocket League season started, and I and I played. I'm playing it. I'm playing this season. I'm uh, kind of branching out a little bit from my usual WoW hob- hobby. You know, get back into some other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta say, so I haven't really played Rocket League much in probably four years. It came out in 2015, which is six years ago. Or actually, it came out on Steam at that time, which is when I started playing. I think it was out a little bit before that, even on PlayStation something. But uh, that game is still great, still holds up. There was a time, actually, I think I stopped playing on the time they packed it full of shit tons of loot boxes. Yeah, that was real annoying. Uh, and I quick. think they've, it looks like they've kind of switched it over to sort of like a season pass kind of a model. So like you spend 10 bucks on a season. I think the season is like a, a few months long or something. And then as you play throughout the season, then you, know, you unlock all kinds of cool shit for your cars, new bodies, new, new decals and wheels. Uh, but they've added all kinds of just like Rocket League because it's just soccer with cars, right? So it's not like a game like League of Legends where there's like new champions with new abilities and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so everybody Rocket just League has is, to continuously get better at the doing the exact same thing. It's purely a skill mm-hmm. game. And so it's all about flash and flair. It's mm-hmm. like looking cool while you're driving your car around. So it's just cosmetics, right? And so so the level of wild shit that they've added to the the game for customization is just awesome now. Like they've got skins that you can unlock that actually are animated. So like your car will have like moving, like a moving paint job. Mm -hmm. They have like all kinds of goofy ass wheels. Like I saw one of the wheels. I think one of the wheels that they have come in this season is like, it's like rock wheels, like a Flintstone car. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They've got like antenna toppers, but then they've added some new stuff that didn't used to be there. So now you can like, you can customize the sound of your car's engine. You can customize the explosion that the ball makes when you make a goal. So you can choose your Mm -hmm. own personalized explosion. And they've got, of course, like hundreds of those. Customize the the sort of like flash that comes off of your wheels when you're going real fast. Yes. Basically just turn every piece piece of the car into every expression of self. And you, you can unlock songs, which are your anthem. So like these are these are legit like songs from the Rocket League soundtrack or the, which are all on Spotify and stuff. But it's so that like whenever you make a goal, then your your song plays over oh, the speakers in the nice. in the stadium and stuff. Like uh, yeah, so it's it's it just has that kind of like over the top. Um, the game itself is ridiculous, right? It's like you're you're playing soccer with I rocket mean, cars. It's a good one to be playing. 
for dunk on everyone here. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of like the game. I feel like to be. It even has basketball mode, or at least it used to. It yeah. is. You could literally it dunk is. in it. So and this it's, is it's this is inter- this, this kind of a, this whole approach to 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 making you know a, a, a hobby game and then selling content and stuff is very interesting because this is also what Fortnite does. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen the Ariana Grande skin. I did. I watched. Did you watch the fucking concert? spectacular? I didn't watch the concert now, but Dude, you can play as Ariana Grande. You can play as Ariana. Yeah, so they basically they introduced it through her doing an in world concert. I don't know if she did it live or if they just did a recording and had her character yeah. there. I'm not sure which one it was, but it was it was a, like a big record. It was basically a recorded thing, right? But it was like recorded for this. They basically, it's like I think about it more like a. Um, I would think about it more like a like a music video that you are inside of while it's playing. Right. It's sort of like you are actively running around, but the whole thing is right, right, of right. course scripted. Uh, it's fucking spectacular. I watched that thing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, honestly, I think I'm going to actually whatever the next one is. Yeah. I want to go do it because like, it's sort of like a, if, if you're familiar with synesthesia, which is that whole, like people who basically their senses blend together. So if you hear certain things, you see certain things or smell stuff. Um, it feels like that for this particular artist's series of songs, right? So like they're warping you to a couple different planets. Like there's all sorts of just zany shit going on. Ariana's like, like a skyscraper sized, you know, goddess basically doing, it was just like, (laughs) it's a 10 minute thing. If you want to watch it on on YouTube, it's really honestly. Yeah. It is. It is also really like the, cause then you can buy the, the Ariana skin. Right. And so, and it's like, and she has like, she has dances, you know, for the dance emotes Mm -hmm. things that like, and like it is so spectacular to watch because she'll like come wow. flying in from above like an angel, you know, and then <laughs> and then she starts murdering people. It's really uh-huh. it's really spectacular. But I was but I was, so now that you're talking about this with Rocket League and thinking about this with with Fortnite, uh, this is really because there's kind of two approaches that happen in game design, right? One is you're trying to immerse the person in this fake world you've created, and there mm-hmm. people are con- like we're constantly worried about breaking the immersion by revealing we're inside of a video game. Like, trying to create an internally consistent world. Yeah. Yes. And that makes a person forget yeah. that they're in a game because they sort of, they inhabit that space now. And, and then you have these other games like Fortnite and Rocket League um, where they go all the way the opposite, where they're constantly reminding you that you're in a video game instead. Mm-hmm. By the whole, thing is, the whole thing is for fun. The whole thing so is not, just not, for it's fun. Not, there's no story. You're just having a good it's time. It's just a gathering yeah. space for real world people. Yeah. That's actually what it is. And it's, right. And it's kind of interesting to see that distinction, because like, because I know, I, I know, I'm always very worried about, and, and we're always very worried about immersion breaking, because this, this is why we like pulled ads out of our games, right? Because we're like, oh, this like breaks, this this reminds you you're in a video game, and of course, also mm-hmm. ads are not a pleasant experience for anybody mm-hmm. ever. Um, but the main focus is on the fact that it breaks that immersion, immersion. and even things like in-game stores and stuff, we feel weird and co- uncomfortable with because we're like, oh, now we have to design around this, and now again, remind people that. Oh hey, you're you're in a game. You're gonna go into a store and like buy things, and the world will change as a consequence of you using real human money to like you know to yeah. change it. Well, I, I think there's there's something that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it the immersion barrier. Okay, mm-hmm. there's a there's a line, and your game can be on either side of it. Okay, either either you don't give a fuck about immersion, and that's not the point of the game. You're not trying to create a world. You're not trying to create a story. It's just like hey. There's cars playing soccer. <laughs> uh, hey, people are flying out of an airplane and shooting each other for literally no reason. Uh, just, and, and whatever. Everybody, like, you look like a lizard now or like Ariana Grande. Or a flying. banana. Nothing matters, right? We're just here for fun, right? Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a game for, for just the sake of it, right? Uh, and if, if you then, if, for example, like Fortnite started trying to develop an internally consistent world with a narrative and everything – it would not be possible because they have brought in everything. Like Thanos was in the game mm-hmm. yeah, they for can't a while, now, right. right? Like they like they can't do it because nothing makes sense up front, right? And on the flip side, if you've got and this is actually something you guys remember that game Global Global Agenda? Oh yeah, yes. did you ever hear about that game? So Global Agenda was a, an a, a third person shooter class based MMO. Um, made by High Res Studios, which is the creators of Smite, which is their currently, I think, most popular game. And Tribes. Um, back in, mm-hmm. released back in 2010. And it was great. Um, it had this kind of like vague, you know, post-apocalyptic futuristic story. It's like, oh yeah, humans are all like fighting each other over the scraps of civilization, whatever. Uh, they just needed like a, a, a general world. But at, but at the time of launch, that world was internally consistent. Mm-hmm. So everything in the world made sense. Um, and then 
And then they released a, uh, a D, not a DLC, but like an in-game purchase where you could replace your character's head with a dinosaur head. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, nothing nothing mattered anymore. Nothing made sense. Nothing yeah, mattered yeah. anymore. Uh, you could you and then like Thanksgiving came, and if you Just logged in on Thanksgiving it. Day, then you would unlock a helmet that replaced your character's head with a turkey, like a cooked turkey, mm-hmm. right? And like so, so they were they were kind of doing what. Like this was this was way pre Fortnite, you know, but like yeah. they were doing that kind of a thing, but they were doing it in a world that they had set up that was supposed to have a narrative. Yeah, it like was like a serious sci-fi had. kind of background context, yeah. right? I, and like as soon as that happened, it's like the glass is shattered, and like that was about the time where I kind of wandered off because I wasn't able to like emotionally invest in the. It just felt. It just was like weird. It's like an uncanny valley of immersion, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it feels sort of like you have to, have to just lean all the way, right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Is, it, is it like a is yeah. it like a carnival feel, which is to me is like what Fortnite is, uh, where mm-hmm. it's like it's just fun. It's like it doesn't. No one cares about the particular theming of any one of the games. Like there's no necessarily unified theme. Like this one's Western. This one's pirates. Like who gives a shit? Whatever makes sense, we'll go with that. And so yeah. while it's not like consistent in the macro from like a any storytelling perspective, it is internally consistent in the sense that it's just sort of like a big soupy smorgasbord of good stuff, right? Yeah, it's it's internally consistent in its inconsistency. Exactly. Know? It's not but trying the, no but, part of it is trying to like, you know, do that. Yeah. Which I think is what we've got weird with global agenda. So you kind of choose between like the carnival style or or like a movie where it's like Mm-hmm. Which which one which experience are you building for people? Well, unless, unless you're going for you know a Space Jam two style movie, which I have not seen, but I have heard many things about. And holy shit, that's basically the Fortnite of movies. Like uh, only <laughs> I guess put everything in there. Yeah, me more actually yeah. the global agenda. I guess of movies. I don't know. Global, yep. Yeah, because it was it was supposed to be a sequel to an existing sort of like narrative or yeah, right? But it's actually an IP showcase for Warner Brothers. So it's like it's like literally yeah. every Warner Brothers character in the fucking universe is in there, and like. And uh, wasn't there like Game of Thrones characters? Every, in everybody's there? in like, there. What? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. in there. So because <laughs> apparently, if you like look out in the stands, like during the whatever game they end up playing, uh, I assume basketball. Um, you look out in the stands; it's like every fucking character's out there um, from just yep. from everything. And there's like the like the the what's the White Walker or whatever, like the the king of the mm-hmm. the Night King, the Night King, right? Uh, like that guy's just like in there. Watching, just chilling, just watching this basketball game. Enjoy right, so the they just like they 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 went they leaned all the fucking way into it to the point where it's like I haven't heard anybody say it was a it was a good movie like on on any single on any dimension period right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of people just like left like they couldn't even get past because it was so absurdist and pointless and nonsensical they just like couldn't even yeah. but there's that set of people though who were just like buckled in for the for the ride right and just. And then now it's just like this wild, uh, I don't even know, like drugscape, you know, <laughs> like yep, just yep. seeing all of this stuff like in this one weird context. And yeah, yeah, it's a fever <laughs> dream, right? And there's, there is something really interesting about that. It's, it could be very fun. Yeah, well, I mean, this, right? yeah, but this it's, was, yeah. But you got to know what you're getting into and like, and you got to sign up mm-hmm. for it, I think, mm-hmm. for that to work. And I think with Space Jam, which let's be honest, the story, the original Space Jam story was not very complex. The universe wasn't very but it deep, was good. right? But it was good, at least when we saw it at, at that time, back mm-hmm. in the 90s, right? Uh, it was a great experience, like has a listening to it, but like, it, there was a story there, right? There was a lore, there was a universe, and then in Space Jam 2, they just were like, no, that's not what this is anymore, <laughs> right? This is not, that's not that. And, uh, and I think that's kind of the, that's the kind of conflict where... Had it just been basically like a like Ready Player One style, which is yep. basically the same thing, right? Where that's what you were signing up for. It's just some bizarre mm-hmm. media scape, you know, of like of just of like every character ever that Warner Brothers has access to interacting in some way. Like I'm interested, you know. Okay, like yeah, sign me up for this bizarre experience. Uh, but if it's supposed to be a sequel to something, that was very bizarre, also. But a little more constrained, you know? Yeah. I think that's what kicks people out, just like with the global agenda thing, right? You come in for one thing, and all of a sudden it's like pulls the rug out from under you and then throws a bunch of like weird shit on top of you, right? Yeah. Well, you you want to be able to suspend disbelief, which has rules to it, right? And so mm-hmm. One thing that I think is really interesting is you guys remember when Hero of the Storm came out and I, I had a, kind of an objection to Heroes of the Storm because I was like, Blizzard's games are supposed to be Internally consistent, story-driven, like character-driven narrative. Oh, yeah, this is the card game. No, yeah. this is the uh, the no. MOBA. 
the MOBA. This is like the, the like, yeah, we, you probably don't remember it much because it's not too, too hot and never really did. It's the MOBA. Wait, the, uh, okay, what's the, what's the current? You're thinking of Hearthstone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so in Heroes of the Storm, uh, they had like Diablo, who's supposed to be, you know, the Lord of Terror, ruler of hell, whatever, uh, in the same s- space, like same combat space as like a baby murloc, which right. is like a tiny yeah. fish yeah. person. And they have equal power and they can fight each other. And they're from different universes with totally different like rules and motivations and whatever. And as soon as you start throwing these characters together, um, it just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Make any sense. But the weird thing is like it works in Smash Bros., and why mm-hmm. does it work in Smash? Mm-hmm. I think it works in Smash Bros. because Nintendo games have no story. They aren't stories. Mm-hmm. They're they're concepts, right? It's like mm-hmm. e- even like I would say the most story driven games that Nintendo has is like the the Zelda games. Except mm-hmm. even those are just like vague sort of uh, elf dude is rescuing a princess from a bad guy. That's the yeah, whole so story very all simple. the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, there, and there's like um, and there's world building in there, but it's not. It isn't like they, like because there, there's there's lore there's you know there's there's stuff going on there but uh, but you're not it's generic it's not yeah, it's, yeah exactly it's not it's not like it's not about that really you know yeah, it's still yeah. about the characters you know, have the really gameplay. loose and vague and somewhat pointless motivations right yep. and they don't really interact with each other in very meaningful ways um, so it, you know there's like generic shopkeeper person there's like generic person who needs help with a thing you know. Uh, and that's about as far as it as it goes, as opposed to if you think about, say, like uh, the Warcraft series, like think about the story of Warcraft three, you know, and like like Arthas with his with his like fall from the light and turning into this like ruler of the undead. Yeah. Well, like, like the more the more self serious these things are, the less they're able to actually you know bend over to this mm-hmm. different like switch styles here and and try something else. You know? Yeah. Which is at that point, that's when it kind of, like Adam was saying, it feels like a fever dream. Like once you have these characters from these like totally different narratives and arcs and whatever, like the Night King standing next to, you know, Bugs Bunny. Yeah, like, you, have to, is- you basically have to think of them, <laughs> you have to think of them not as like characters in the, like the, the characters you get attached to in a novel because you begin to feel like they're a real person to you, right? It's like you, it's like you start with that if you experience them in context like that in a, in a game with deep lore, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden somebody pulls that character out and they're like, oh yeah, this is just a puppet. This is remember one of this my thing? properties. Remember this thing that was yeah. important to you and like was deeply meaningful. This is just a puppet. We're going to pull yeah, some strings and make it do something that don't <laughs> well, make any sense. It's not real. You know? you know that the yeah. Night King, if he was in the stands, would immediately just be murdering stuff. That's the problem, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's basically the, yep. the lack of character. Actually, it's it's just the avatar of the of these various uh, entities, not the actual. Right. Or you take like character. some aspect of them, and you just make it, uh, and you and you you take a shallow aspect and now turn it into that. So, they, so they're no longer a character, like a they're no longer a person in your mind, mm-hmm. but they're actually like a billboarded character, right? With yep. like a trait. So if they're gonna show, if they're gonna show a character that like classically just like grunts at people when like the characters mad or something, right? And then like now they show you that character in the stands in a weird context of a jillion other unrelated characters and they'll show a moment where it grunts or whatever, right? Yep. To like, to be like, oh, look, it's that character. It's still the that same character does person, that. right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and to like, to remind you of that thing that's somehow, you know, canonical or like a stereotypical. Um, but then that's it, right? So, yeah, I think, I think when you, when people really buy into stuff because there is some amount of richness there, it doesn't mean, and people can buy into stuff even if it's not particularly rich or good, right? But uh, but if there's at least something there so that you bought in and then now all of a sudden that gets yanked away and put somewhere else, it's just so- It breaks something. Yeah, it breaks it something. It, it makes can it break something. Yeah, you got, it's, yeah, you got to be really careful. Uh, all right, let's talk about some studio stuff. I want to talk a little bit about uh, how we're going with Crashlands 2. We haven't talked about it in a little while. Um, yeah, the story? What's going on? So, so- We've just been like just this past couple of weeks of Crashlands Two development have just been at a, like a breakneck pace all of a sudden. I would say, mm-hmm. would you agree? Yes. Um, it seems that way so, from the outside. Yeah. So we've had kind of some really interesting internal discussions and sort of changes to our approach, and I just want to talk about that. It's like how that's mm-hmm. been going. Uh, so just to kind of give some context, uh, Crashlands Two is the first game that we've worked on that's had a large scale upfront. I would say a design document, more like a vision document, mm-hmm. right? Of like laying out all the different things that we want this game to do and have in it and all the different kinds of systems we want to have, the kinds of stories we want to tell, the, the 
different, the variety of gameplay experiences we want to provide, right? Um, and then we busted into development. Once we, we had a bunch of like tech debt to burn down. So Sam was working on that document. Uh, we were kind of collaborating on that. And then I would say around sort of like the end of October last year is when we were really kind of in it. We also spent a bunch of time working on multiplayer, experimenting with that, decided not to do it. Um, and since then we've been, we've been churning away on the game systems and kind of using that big vision document as kind of like a, a focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, but development of the game has, has felt a lot, a lot slower than what we're accustomed to. Um, and I would, I, what I think we figured out in the past uh, couple weeks is that it's because we were thinking about things in kind of a strange way uh, because of the fact that we started with this big vision document, which we've never done. Um, so, so I, th- I think what we've been doing and Sam, you can kind of mm-hmm. fill in here as, as, as you, as you need to, I think what we've been doing is basically when we put together this big vision document, we expressed a lot of things in terms of generalities. So we'd say like, oh, creatures in the world should be should be able to like eat each other mm-hmm. and have diets and interact with the world in interesting fall ways. Fall asleep like, or something. Yeah, yeah. Like they'll they'll eat and then they'll get full and fall asleep, or they'll like form packs and chase you. Right. So these are all like really cool uh, things to imagine that could be possible in the game. Right. So. What happened then is anytime we started working on some new piece of the game, like the first creature, we would look at that big vision document and be like, okay, well, creatures sort of conceptually need to be able to do all these different things, right? And so we don't want to build this first creature in a way that's going to like conflict with that vision. So instead of just hard coding up this creature and throwing it into the game like we used to do, Let's make the creature system mm-hmm. that sort of allows us to modularly and flexibly create all these different behaviors in creatures just at the flip of a switch, right? So instead of having a creature in the game in a day, it's like a month of systems development on the creature system goes in. And then we start putting that creature in once the system is up that's supposed to like prop the creature up. Um, and so we did that with, with quite a few things in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, abilities, like a creatures, lot of, yeah, the world itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so what that meant was like we we kind of felt like okay, well we're we're sort of we know where we're going in the end, and so we want to we're basically kind of like front loading a lot of that systems work instead of uh, having to like refactor later to make things work according to the the vision, right? Um, what we've kind of learned in the past couple of weeks and and over the course of this year, I think, is that is that we do have a really iterative game design style, and I think everybody probably does. Yeah, I think the reality is, in some sense is that every good game is done is made with a lot of iteration to it. It's not. It's not. I think it's laid out on paper and then translated from paper to game. Like it's just not how yeah. this is going to go. Right. The paper is the starting point, and when you play the game uh, during development, you have to rec- You have to be able to recognize what it needs and whether it's fun, whether the game is delivering the experiences that you want um, and, and optimizing toward, I think trying to get those good experiences in there, right. Uh, uh, as quickly as you can. And you never quite know what that's going to mean. And I think a really interesting example of this is we've gone a long time without putting the crafting system in to <clears throat> crash lines too, because we're working on all these other uh, systems, systems yeah. right. Yeah. And, and crafting was also a big system. We have all like, we have a lot of really interesting ideas, which I won't reveal. But we have, we have a lot of interesting ideas of stuff that we want to to layer into the the traditional crafting concept to make crafting more uh, interesting mm-hmm. for for players, like with more interesting choices to make about how you craft things and when and whatever. Um, and so, because we had this kind of big idea of all the things that crafting was going to have, crafting was a big system. Mm-hmm. And so because of that kind of all or nothing feeling, that system kind of sat on the back burner for a long time. Um, and so we'd gone so long without being able to craft, you know, <laughs> that a couple weekends ago, I was just like, you know what? Crafting matters in this game a lot. It's supposed to matter a lot. And like, yeah, we've got all these ideas about what crafting is, is going to be, but like, I just want to be able to craft something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so literally over like an hour, uh, 
on a Sunday afternoon, I just threw in basically like a real shitty prototype crafting interface, just like chilling in the pause menu. It's like, don't even care how you craft. There's no like workstations or characters or it's just a, you just pause the game and open a menu. Um, and got that in there with some really like basic recipes. And, uh, then the next day, Sam started playing it. And then Sam was like, I mean, obviously we need a recipe tracker, right? Yep. Because like, I'm trying to build stuff. Right. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden this like this cascade of things started happening where uh, the stuff in the world mattered a lot more because you needed the components to do your crafting, right? Which made us reevaluate the game balance. But also like it was hard to tell where you were now, but that was always the case uh, because like we never had a map, but it never mattered where you were because you weren't going anywhere for any particular reason, mm-hmm. right? So all of a sudden we needed a map. So we have a map now, right? Uh, and then it's like, all right, well, now we have now we have the ability to craft stuff and I want to be able to make some more weapons. So Sam designs a bunch of weapons. We get those in there and it's like, shit, we don't even have an equipment screen to equip the weapons. Okay, we have that now, right? So all, so all of a sudden in the past like week and a half, we've gotten like five new interfaces and systems into the game to do all these things at like a really simple level um, that is not even close to what the end vision of these things is Mm -hmm. going to be, but you can do them all now. Um, And suddenly the pace of development of the game is just like, just exploding. Like we're just blazing through all this Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Yeah. I think the the big change to me is, is basically recognizing that what we, what we've been trying to do with that idea of actually, you know, having a, having a, spelled out a vision for the systems in the game and for the emotional beats of each of the experiences of the game as like a guiding piece. Like that's a new skill that we've been trying to sort of tack on to our generally iterative development style. And so I would say if I had to like consolidate what the major misstep was, it was basically not recognizing how treacherous the path is from on a team from instilling that vision piece to actually uh, now shattering that into workable steps um, that don't become completely paralyzing because because I remember one of the things that we talked about I think on the podcast uh, one of the things Seth would say over and over the first couple of months of dev was like was something along the lines of like it's I feel really weird building this game that because we can see the whole thing like something about it's not as fun because we can see the whole thing like I know where we're going so it doesn't feel as it feels like you're it feels like you're following a checklist, right? Which is right. a very different thing and collaboratively building a thing. Yeah. But I think, ether. I think actually what that was pointing at was that the method we were using to get to that end state was incorrect in the sense that the game wasn't getting more fun. It was getting more interesting, right? From a systems perspective, but it wasn't getting more, more of its own gaminess until, until we actually started filling out those missing, uh, those actual well, it was becoming, it was becoming a better simulation yeah. of a world, right? But it wasn't becoming uh, a game. It's with the a engine track. kind of experience, basically, yeah. right? But it is. From a it design is, yeah. standpoint. So I think yeah. that's kind of the well, takeaway. Think- it's like you have to do a really good job if you spell out that vision of translating it into actual work. Otherwise, you literally, your team gets completely paralyzed uh, yeah. in terms of working on it. Yeah. Well, I think there's, a, there's also a higher level concept here, right? It's because, so in the absence of the experiential part, which is what you have when you're just doing design and you don't, and you don't have the thing there yet, um, in the absence of that, you can only you can conceive of some you know you can have like all the core parts and be more or less correct about those things about what's going to make up the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also map out how all these things interact with each other. Like, what does it mean for you know there to be crafting and there to be I don't know a skill tree if we have such a thing, right? Like, how do those things relate to each other? And you can come up with a whole list of like, oh, here's here's how that here's how that works, right? But until you have the experiential part, then you don't. There's two things happen. One is you don't know how in the feel, details, but actually, right? yeah. well, more importantly, mm-hmm. the experience is a is more of a it's a the experience is a is an all senses holistic in the yes. moment emotional thing, right? And that's the thing that's going to reveal to you all the stuff you hadn't thought about, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. all those little things, and, and depending on what order in which you do things, and like and how what components are there, the ideas you get to have are different. Right? This is stuff we always talk about, right, is you can only build on the stuff you've got. That's it. You can't just out of nothing, out of literally nothing, just like conceive of all of the parts, right? You can't simulate it in your mind. You can't simulate it in your mind. Can't. So you actually yeah. need to be working within the simulation to generate mm-hmm. all, like see all the gaps and fill all the holes and see what sucks right now, what doesn't or whatever, right? So in the case of a video game, which is a, a simulation of a universe with a long form myriad of experiences that are then like 
and are, are ways of interacting with that world that are given to you. On, and then through which is also built some sort of a story generation machine through the way that things are designed, through literal story, through questing, through stuff you find in the world, whatever, right? And and all and then and then you have all the music and you have all this kind of stuff, right? If you go try to solve any one of those problems, just like by itself, you're just like, oh, hey, music person, um, we need a full soundtrack for this game. Here's basically the vibe. Here's the design document so you know what <laughs> we're doing. Make the soundtrack. And they go off and do that, right? And then you go off and you make the game. And then at some point you're like, cool, we're ready to put the soundtrack in. And you do it. And then you're like, oh, fuck, wait a second. Like, doesn't quit. This doesn't work. work. Yeah. Much, and like, yeah. and, and, and so the, I think it's, it's the, it's the holistic experiential nature of a video game mm-hmm. because it is a simulation of a world, or I guess depending on how the game, the kind of game, right. But at least in our case, this game is a simulation of a world. Then the complexity of the experience of it is going to be the same kind of thing that you'd actually have when you go out and experience the world. It's sort mm-hmm. of, it's endless, right. And out in the world, even though it's hard to tell how any two things are related, they're all related, you know? They were all designed, they were all built at, in a world where gravity exists and, like, we have the materials we have and, like, in the social structure we live and all this kind of stuff. And so there's just this core holistic overall experience that, that you have out in the world. When you play a video game that is a simulation of a different universe in a different world, the way that you experience it is just as complex. Yeah. And thinking yeah, that you so, can so sit the, down and just, like— just write it out. Write it out and imagine yeah. what it's like. But I think it's the interesting thing you know? is like, as far as that vision doc goes, like the pillars and the, like a bunch of those bigger structural pieces and then the emotional engagement that's attached to them uh, essentially remain true, right? Oh it's yeah, just yeah that, absolutely. Yeah. It's basically yeah, once you start, it, yeah. yeah, once you start trying to say like, okay, like, hey, here's what this whole, here's what this whole thing looks like. And then, and mm-hmm. then you ask the question, okay, how do we build it? I think that's actually where, that's where the, the, like the casualties well, the typically ifs. start yeah, you know, there's a trap. Yeah, it's a yeah. big trap, yeah. you know. Yeah. So so I think yeah, the the feeling that I generally had while, while programming the thing was was uh if for example we're making the first creature in the game and I know that like in the longer term vision of the game, you know, creatures need to be able to herd and sleep and like maybe be pets or lay eggs or have diets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um then that first creature is going to feel incomplete until it checks those boxes, right? Um, and so there's a feeling as a person working on the game that you want to you want to finish this feature before you move to the next feature. Well, you know right? it's missing, and so you, it's hard to experience it as it is yes. without also thinking yeah. about what it isn't. And so the so the where we've gotten with the past week and a half is re- basically recognizing like just because that's the vision, that doesn't mean that's that's not the task. starting point. Yeah. And what you want is you want the game to feel complete as is, right? So if, for example, you have a bunch of resources in the world and you can chop them down and they give you components, but you can't craft, right, then there's a huge piece missing. And it, and it legit doesn't matter whether the crafting system you get now is the one you want in the end. Mm-hmm. What matters is that you can now do that thing that feels like it's obviously missing and making the game feel weird and yeah. pointless. Right? Well, I think it's actually, it's the failure uh, it's, of- Because it's all about iterating, like iterate those systems toward the vision, but you, you don't start at the, at the end yeah. point. Well, it's a failure of looking, right? at, looking at your vision as, as that big checklist of things to do as the tasks, as opposed to thinking about it from, from basically the user perspective and saying, what's the, what's the next thing the player needs to be able to do? And then how does that line up? Where does that match up with the vision? And then what's the best way to execute exactly what we need for this one step forward, not more than that. Right. Um, Yeah. Well, and it's also the case that the vision is not, the vision is not set in stone as a task list. It's more, the vision is a set of like emotional anchor points, Mm -hmm. you know, because the vision is basically saying, I want it to feel like this. Right. So if, for example, the vision lists out all these different things that creatures are going to be able to do. Right. The, underpinning of that is I want it to feel like creatures are alive. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And so at, at the end of the day, if, if you the don't game actually up, need all that necessarily, right. You don't necessarily need all that. And you might actually need something else entirely mm-hmm. that you didn't think about. Right. Cause like one interesting thing is how, how the, the world map just isn't really mentioned in our vision document. And one thing we found was that as soon as, as soon as you could craft things, you needed a map, which was not, Really on mm-hmm. our radar as like an important part of the crafting system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this is this is right. yeah this is the, the the point right is that everything yeah, touches is that everything everything touches and when it touches it it changes 
it changes your experience of it. And then also and it starts to imply new possibilities and things and increase unexpected interactions. And so it doesn't, it just doesn't matter how good or accurate an overall design is. Um, and even how good like a, you know, a gray boxed MVP is mm-hmm. if it's got like very partial mechanics, the arts, not the real art and so on. Uh, the animations aren't there, whatever. Right. Like, cause each of those give you different stuff and you're, and you're able to conceive of different aspects that are needed and, and you're able to guess at a, you know, more or less accurate level, what it would be like to like truly experience this the way that it's intended. Mm-hmm. But there's no way to get that full picture until you have experienced it mm-hmm. the way it's intended. Yeah. So, right? so you want to bias toward, and this is actually, this is the idea of like uh, continuous deployments versus large batch delivery, right? Yeah. Uh, it's something that we talked about with, for example, the game pipe, which is our, our uh, game building and deployment system that we have that lets us distribute the game onto, you know, all these different platforms. Uh, when we first started working on the game pipe, we viewed it as a, it, it must be able to compile and deploy our games to everything for us to use it. Mm-hmm. So months and months and months went by of, of hard work where sure was just grinding away, trying to get this thing to check all the boxes. And of course, like we couldn't deploy anything throughout that entire time. Right. And then right, finally, we're still doing it manually. More we're still doing it manually. Yeah. And so then finally we, we hit pause on it. And we're like, okay, you know what? We just need to be able to deploy something, yeah. right? So, so then, so then, the first step was just all right. Let's just get it like making a build and just throwing it into Dropbox. There, that's 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 all it needs to do at the outset. And that that took then that went from then taking like months and months and months. Like that was up and running in a week, and then suddenly we were using it, and then it, we iterated and expanded from there. But it became useful immediately and started changing our context of how we did all of our work right then and there, right? And so. So it's it's important to not get hung up in tr- in thinking of of problems as one giant set of solutions that all have to happen or right else now. none of it's worth it. Yeah, it's more about just get the first thing up and running. Yeah, well, yeah. When you're when you're going from plan to execution, you just you can never know in the absence of the executed plan what it was you missed, and uh, and I mean depending on like experience and skill and blah, there's like, there's a million reasons why the stuff that you miss might be less or more different than mm-hmm. what somebody else would. Right. But the point is you still miss stuff, but also you don't know how to evaluate what's the most important because something that seems obviously the most important thing, or at least important in general, mm-hmm. uh, once you actually get out into the experiential side of it, you may discover, Oh, actually we could probably scratch that, that for quite right? a while. Cause <laughs> I, think, I think like a, an, an example of like, cause you're talking about like the, the list of all the things that the creatures can do. Right. Yeah. And if you imagine now, uh, like if, if one of those features made a lot of sense in like a more zoomed out view, because you could see more at a time and their like relationship to each other would be just really visible. Right. Versus if we're in more of a zoomed in state where you don't see that many creatures at a time. Mm. Right. Or, or if it's the case that for performance reasons, we don't want to put that many creatures on the screen at once, then things like herding behavior and stuff now become, it's, it's now less possible for them to be important because you don't see that many creatures at once. Right. And so there are things like this, that it's really, really fucking hard to conceive of a, of like the thing that seems like it'll do something cool. Right. And then also now in that, context, you know, figure this out. I was, I was, I've been rereading Dune in preparation for the, you know, the Dune release. And there's a few moments in there. And, and I have this every once in a while, like in, in different novels that I read, where the author does something that, that implies that they have like deeply, deeply imagined like the real version of this experience that they're describing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the one that like, the one that caught me that I could just think of offhand since I was reading it, was uh, in in Dune. I won't talk about what it is for those who don't know. We don't need to get into it. But uh, you may have heard of the sandworms in Dune, and like you have to walk without rhythm. It's even in songs and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. so when, when they're first discovering and learning how to walk without rhythm, they've also placed this machine they call a thumper that's meant to like attract these. It's like they're basically tremors. It's the same idea, right? So it's basically to attract yeah. this giant sandworm. That way, they can kind of like get away while it's being attracted somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? And so the author's describing this, and then he and then he uh, and then he describes an experience that the two people are having, where they're like, they're trying to walk without rhythm, but the thumper Ooh, on this like per- repeated cadence is like is like making it hard, and they they keep accidentally getting rhythm back, mm-hmm. right? Because they it's, they can't not like follow it. And I was but I was like 
when I first read that, I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. But then I stopped for it and thought about that for a second. And I was like, I was imagining being the person writing the story. Right. And like mm-hmm. talking about this thing and I would be focused on like the walking by the rhythm part like that. And I would be thinking about that stuff, but the relationship between those two yep. things and the fact, the fact that a person is so like the, the idea of walking without rhythm or just like trying to avoid rhythm is something that you would struggle with when an external rhythm mm-hmm. has been created for it's a different reason, you know, <laughs> it's like, and like, and it's like, like, I don't know. There was like, there was a moment where I th- saw that and I was like, how in the fuck did he, how did they think, did he think realize that? that? Yeah. How did he think about that? And, and every once in a while I'm reading, I'm like reading some story somewhere. And one of those moments happened where I'm just like, how? I'm like truly blown away by, by what that implies about the depth of the simulation that the person is running in their own mind. Mm-hmm. Right, where they're now imagining being that person, imagining hearing that, imagining trying to walk without rhythm, and and then like doing it all so accurately that they're like, oh, like oh, that would be hard, actually. You know, yeah. it's fucking cool. It would be wild. It's very cool, and that's that's where I think. I mean, I I do have a bit of a soapbox about like the Harry Potter universe, for example, because uh, I think like there's for for good fiction, I think it's all about the implications, which is basically the author sets up some kind of a a scenario and then they follow through the scenario with the actual sort of implications of like of what 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 would happen in like a an actually believable simulation right mm-hmm. which is what you're talking about Adam which is like it's not just that like oh they threw this thumper and like now they can walk away right and that that would have been like the top level of it right? and also so as a reader book, you wouldn't cuz like a reader's also now playing that simulation the writer created in the same way that a video game is, right? But it's but there's way less fidelity because you have to you have to fill in all of the fucking gaps right. where it's just text, right? Right. So and so the, the reader's kinda, not the reader doesn't like most readers wouldn't even like the vast majority wouldn't even gonna notice. They wouldn't be like, oh that would be hard. Like they wouldn't like add that they wouldn't notice, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So like a really great author or storyteller, you know, takes things to that next level where they say like, okay, I've set up the premise of this situation. Now, what just would happen? Yeah, it's not, it's not like, what do I want to happen? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's what I, when I think about, for example, like in the Harry Potter universe, the idea that, that some people can do magic and some people can't, and that this has had absolutely no effect whatsoever on the power structures of the world as mm-hmm. we know it. Yep. And all wizards across time and space of the entire history of the earth have agreed and succeeded in keeping this a secret. <laughs> Despite the clear presence of actual villains. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, yeah. That this has had no bearing on, like, politics. Uh, there are no wizards who have become dictators and taken over countries. There's no, like, enslavement of muggles by wizards who can just do whatever they want. To go back want, to the vision you know? thing, though, this, is the, this like, is the important piece of that, of that, which is, like, you know, you're not necessarily, depending, because the thing is, for whatever flaws the the world building might have in terms of that depth of uh, simulation for you know realness, the reality is that, is that it all of the Harry Potter stuff does tell a very good story because it is very focused mm-hmm. on the emotional beat that she's trying to focus on. Right? It's not about it's literally it's actually not about wizards. Is the truth? Of it. Yeah. It's the the wizarding is the vehicle for this like growing up story. Well, and, and, and well, the difference between these two is the difference between needing a yes full simulation of the world and like having things be consistent with that and the ability to do it. Right. Because I think to Sam's point, you don't always need it. No. You know? And also depending on who you are as a reader you and like degrees. what kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, so like for me as a person with a, a long background in, in biology and then also who just like studied physics for fun and like all this kind of stuff. Uh, I can't, most sci-fi, I can't not get distracted by the, the, the inaccuracies of the simulation, basically, right? I can't not. Um, and and it's, it's not that I then look down on the thing for not providing that. It's that it's that I know I have to then like try to force myself to take a step back and just focus on mm-hmm. what they're doing, where the, where the world is a vehicle for the story they're telling, right? And there are other places, other other books, like in my favorite ones, that because I, I don't get distracted and have to like force myself to take a, take a beat and just like accept the false reality, you know. Uh, where the simulation does feel so complete mm. that I don't get distracted by it, right? And I'm just like, I buy in on the whole fucking universe that this person has created. And where the characters then are like, everything feels consistent, yeah. you know? And it feels like, and those are the ones that for me, and from my own experience, like 
anytime I read a book that tells a great story in the context of a world, I believe that doesn't feel like it's you know riddled with holes. Like those are the things that just I get so fucking pumped yeah. about, well, and so it's, into it's the, you know. It's the kind of story that that when you think about it holds up, as opposed yeah, exactly, to yeah. when you think about it, it falls apart. Right, yeah. like like Age of Ultron, you get this uh, this incredibly sophisticated AI who wants to destroy humanity, has full access to the internet, power grids, all communication channels, all like government databases, everything. Has an army of robots, is, presumably can an army of robots control as much money he, as he wants. What does he do? Lift a city off the ground and drop it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think the problem is like they needed a contrived scenario that the heroes, whose basic solution to all scenarios is punching, mm-hmm. They needed a scenario that the heroes would be able to solve. So they needed the villain to use absolutely none of his capabilities to meet mm-hmm. his goals <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that the movie could happen. Yeah. Uh, but you can still so you, like, so you need to not, it's, still so a, like, fun it's movie. a good movie. Yeah, it's a, th- exactly, it's a yeah. fun movie when you watch it. Right. Uh, and it doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It's just that it's not a great movie in my opinion, because when you think about it, it falls apart. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I think like, that's, 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 just, that's where I think we differ in terms of like that definition of what what ends up being great in these contexts, right? Because the reality is like it's a phenomenal. Let's say it's it's, it's subjective. Well, yeah, it's, it's, personal, a, it's a phenomenal it's a piece of entertainment, opinion. right? And so I think it's one of those things where like you don't have to be going for for plot accuracy in order to deliver the emotional accuracy that you're going for, really, uh, because yeah. like the emotion is it's one first. of those things that you still have to be. Yeah, but you just I think I, mean, this, I don't know. I think. For me, I think it's it does. I think it matters a lot, but I, I do agree that you don't need a full internally consistent like the whole like you, you don't. Yeah, but I, I think I if you look at almost all of the IPs, but if the holes are too are too big and they don't do a good enough job of being aware of that and then drawing your attention away, right? Because there because there are movies that like the the movies that I really like that are really fucking inconsistent and like nonsensical. It's like I mean, John Wick, any time example. travel movie that I like, for example, yeah, uh, like. If if they do a good enough job of of clearly being aware and then div- diverting my attention, right? Then I'm like, okay, cool. I see what you did, and I get it, and I'm still on board, and it's fine, right? It's it's when they feel like they're trying to make me believe a thing because they aren't intentionally mm. like sort of diverting my eyes, you know. When it feels like they want me to buy into something that just is absurd, right? Because like I think because like to, like for the Harry Potter example, right? They don't try to make you buy into like the politics of the the muggles versus the magic world nope. very much. It's mostly internally inside of like things going on in this like magical mansion that, you know, children wizards live in, right? And that's where all the focus is. And so for like for me in that context, like, yeah, I don't care. I could yeah, divert it. Yeah. It doesn't exactly yeah. <laughs> it's totally fine. But if they started then coming in and talking about uh about now these two th- things interacting with each with each other in all these different ways yeah. now as if that now wouldn't have been happening the whole time. If they just pretend like it can't happen and don't tell me why, well, I'm they like, got okay, cool, to you know? maintain the immersion barrier. Yeah, right? it's, like, it's as soon as you cross it, you now make people think about it. Well, that's the risk, yeah. right? Because by, by trying to make something more yeah. real, quote unquote, and explaining more parts of the system or bringing, like holistically bringing more of these pieces in, then you can totally break the thing that actually is working okay, working just fine. Well, that, this thing is, it's, it's not about explaining it. Yeah, it's not about explaining. It's about it. It's just about it being consistent. And I think because I think because also explaining stuff too much is also always bad, especially because most of it will not be consistent if it gets fully explained, right? And this is like so for hard sci-fi, right. <laughs> the the best hard sci-fi writers aren't good because because the hard part means like it's it's like an internally consistent physics basically is kind of what that means, right? But the ones that are really really good aren't so because they've invented a uh, a a way that physics can allow the stuff to happen, right? It's good because they basically have some magic, like an FTL drive or whatever, that they don't explain. Or they give you some really hand wavy shit, like, oh, we end up in like white space. There's like there's a series I just read that was really fun. Where like it just like you get wrapped in a in a white space bubble that are no longer in the normal universe or whatever, right? It's like, yeah, that's not that's not it didn't explain jack shit, right? But it's still it's not inconsistent, right? Yeah, well it's because it's it didn't like- explain. Yeah. So that didn't. So because it didn't explain, it didn't create an inconsistency, but it didn't also rely on forcing me to believe that, like that, that say, like gravity just doesn't exist, or some some something that like that clearly is just bullshit and nonsense, whatever. It didn't try to force me to do that. It just said, oh yeah, we have an FTL drive. Whoop, you know, like we're gone now. And then they do, and then they do other cool stuff with it because now they take the fact that that exists 
and they build it into some interesting consequences of the world. Like, uh, so a bunch of these will have things like, uh, you're forbidden to travel certain distances in your planets via FTL, because if you, if you miss, right, then you're coming in at like, you, you will appear <laughs> out of nothing, basically, like inside of a planet or whatever, and you can completely destroy. It's like, because they, they just invent this idea of like, oh, this will fuck everything up if you do it. And so now all of a sudden, the, the universe becomes more, actually more coherent, despite the complete false thing they put in there. Because now all of a sudden, like the world is like, oh yeah, all the stations are this distance away. Or when they're describing a battle, the battle starts. Right, I mean, it's, well, like you're just saying it's 20 it's, hours away from a planet or whatever. It's a stack right? of believable nonsense is all you're saying. And I'm, I'm yeah, not disagreeing. And it, all, and it all builds on top of I'm just saying it's, right? it's very tempting to be like, the nonsense has to also then take into account like, you know, the historical factors of like the geopolitical situation in the world because there's wizards now. And it's like, as soon, as soon. No, I'm, not, I'm like, just saying it has to. Well, no, no, yeah. It's, well, it's whatever, whatever I think. Whatever you, you touch, you have draw to. The, yeah. You ha- yeah. yeah. So, so like Ant-Man doesn't, no. Like they immediately, the first thing they do is explain how the yeah. suit works. That's how they do it. Then they, they break, then they break the rules of that they themselves explicitly set out in every following scene. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, but I mean, if, but it's, if a, you're gonna, but it's a good movie. So that's what I'm saying. It is, it, it matters, but also it, it's not the focus. It doesn't matter so much. You know what I mean? Like, well, no, I know. I think the problem is like, I, I thought it was a funny movie, but I didn't think it was very good because none of it, nothing that happened made any sense given the core premise of the movie, which is that like, the guy has a suit that allows him to shrink while maintaining his density, right? Like that's maintaining his mass. That, maintaining his mass, right? So then you've got like a dude who shrinks down his lab with the same technology and turns it into a suitcase, which should weigh as much as a building, but then he just wheels it around like a suitcase or like the the hero runs along someone's gun, which as a 200 pound adult man should, you know, be pretty hard for the person to hold the gun up, except he weighs nothing in that particular scenario. Yeah, he only has weight when he punches somebody. Yeah. Right. And so, so they basically like, they, uh, they make it do whatever needs to happen to make but the for story example, do what they if want. They said, right? If they said Ant-Man, okay, so he, they just said, oh yeah, the suit makes you shrink, and they left, they didn't give any details, or they, or they just made up some words, who cares, right? But they like, suit makes you shrink. And then they very carefully avoid talking about any of like the consequences of like, oh, does that mean all of his atoms are close to, like, they well, just like, avoid you, yeah. And then they say, uh, and, and also like, because of his small size, just like ants, he's super strong, which doesn't make sense because but, but like they just made right. up, they just said a thing, right? <laughs> and so now all of a sudden he's super strong, which is consistent with him punching somebody right. very hard. So he can punch small. stuff, right? And, yeah. And like, and so, but so, so the point here is that is that it's not about like whether it's an enjoyable experience or whether I whether I can suspend belief or disbelief and all that stuff, right? It's about how much the thing forces me to have to do that, yeah. Right? Versus making it easy for me to buy what's happening, where yeah. Where, because the interesting thing, and, like, and, I, and I agree that it's like annoying as shit when like somebody's like, that's not how biology works or, or whatever, right? So <laughs> I agree, yeah. and I know, and, I, and I, I have to avoid doing it at all costs, right? But, but there are many, many, many fantastic examples of stories where the biology is horseshit, just complete bullshit, but the author knew it. Mm-hmm. They knew it and they didn't draw attention to it, right? So they kept, they, they, kept they gave that just separate. enough, they gave <laughs> just enough for you to buy in and they said something, they'll just be like, oh, it's like, it, it's like it's something in their blood, right? And you're just like, okay, sure. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm in. Like that didn't, there's nothing we'll to argue there, against there, right? <laughs> That's fine. Uh, and then, but then you have these other cases where it's like, they start describing exactly how they modified the DNA to do all this kinds of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And now they start using things that really exist, but then in a way that they don't work, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you t- they took it too far. They took it too yep. far. So yeah, so like, I think it's it's an interesting balance of like how do you because your goal your end goal is actually storytelling, right? To Sam's point, but your goal is storytelling. And well, you want to enable the moment. I think the mark. You want to enable the cool moment of Ant Man running across someone's gun and then punching them in the face so hard that they're like, yeah, flying, that's awesome. Right? It's awesome. Yeah. So the question, but it, yeah, so, so you're basically right. saying like, okay, so but the point is the you stack. can though. Yeah. Yeah, you can still do yeah, it. Yeah, you can do it. And and I think that's, to me, the difference between, like, to, to both your point, uh, having a great experience versus thinking a movie is, or a story right, or whatever great. is great, right? Because for me, the thing that makes a thing truly great is that I'm just on board. I'm just on board the whole time because because the 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 story creator or the or the environment creator if it's a game or whatever but, but the whole thing collectively makes it so that when I when I come in, I'm just like, I feel like I'm, learning more about 
this place, you know, that, that they've, con- that they've contrived and that these characters that are doing things in here are like real, you know, they're like real entity. Like there's a depth there. Like, and I don't know all of it, but I can tell there's stuff there. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's actually more about what you don't show than what you do. Yeah. It's just that the stuff that you do show has to imply, you know, all of this. And so to me, that's what's, and I think that's where like, uh, there's, there's enough stuff going on in the Marvel movies that they, for the most part, do a good job of not drawing attention to nonsense, for the most part. Ant-Man is one of like, the really glaring exceptions. But, but the whole way through, though, like, everybody's powers are really inconsistent the whole time. But they're, they're really careful, though, to make it so that the inconsistency usually doesn't feel so wide that you're like, wait a second, I thought he could do whatever, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but in other places, like, so it, but in lots of other like, they take the Flash, for example, right? As Seth is always complaining about, the Flash is so <laughs> overpowered <laughs> that the only way to have the Flash have interesting challenges is by fucking with the powers. It's the only, it's just, the only just thing. 100% contrived scenarios. That yeah, break and it always has to be rule. contrived. <laughs> yeah, versus like other, versus other universes that people create where they're more careful about the overall idea. And like Superman's another good example, right? Literally just fucking invincible. That's his whole. Infinite it's strength, his infinite invincibility. His whole thing is like, yeah, I'm just an unstoppable machine and that's it. And now if you build a world around that where now it's about like the political consequences of such an entity. Like the boys. Like the yeah, boys, which is, yeah, so that's, that's, that's a, yeah. or, or like a, there's also that, there's also that Amazon uh, TV show. I watched it. Invincible, which is, mm. that was also brutal and really interesting, but that is, it's the same idea, right? But now where it's focused on that, they just kind of, there's like kind of, we don't need to worry about having this person fight a villain and have it make sense that this infinitely powerful being doesn't just one punch man, the villain, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. we don't need to do that because it's actually the idea of what it would mean, you know, if, like, yeah. if this it's being already is there. spectacular. And right? so yeah. it's already spectacular. So I think like when, like when you have like your evil Superman idea uh, that you have in like the, the, the Snyder cut, whatever that movie's called, the, mm-hmm. the justice mm-hmm. league, right. Which that, which like that's a component there and you feel how fucking terrifying that is right. And like, and that's what it focuses on is like how fucking, and, it's, and the boys is the same deal with like their Superman equivalent. Right. That's the focus. It's not about the powers. like trying to make them consistent and try to like contrive fights and stuff. It's about like, it's just about what would the what world would it be, be like? like? Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, and then now all of a sudden it's like super fascinating. And, and then stories just kind of, they just come out of that. Pop, yeah. They just pop out. Exactly. Of that, and that, so that, I guess that's actually maybe yeah. for me, the thing that I love is it when it feels like the stuff that happens is like a consequence of the world we're in versus Contrived stuff is just going to happen no matter what, and then we you just like change the world to make the to stuff make it right exactly happen. instead of having the story like oh this is the story we want to tell so let's make the world fit. It's basically right? seasons one through six of Game of Thrones versus seasons All right, well we got to wrap up. Uh, we're a bit over time, so uh, we will have to get to some questions next week. And definitely, I think we're our question well is is starting to get a little bit shallower than normal. So mm-hmm. definitely get over to uh, podcast.bscotch.net. Ask some questions and we will prioritize hitting questions next week. Yeah. All right. So we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can go to podcast.bscotch.net where we have links to the discord, a way for you to donate and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next Goodbye. week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.